0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Teagan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist, Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 2nd of July 2021. Teagan, what were, what were we doing at Coronacast this time last year, on this day last year?
0: I'm so glad you asked, Norman. We were talking about how one Australian city was going into lockdown. Uh, it was Melbourne. And as we know from hindsight... That was a really long lockdown.
1: It was, with thousands of cases.
0: Now we're talking about multiple Australian cities in lockdown, one in particular being Sydney. Sydney's nearly a week into this lockdown that started last Saturday. And even though the, the case numbers aren't like exponentially expanding, but they're not really dropping off yet either.
1: No, they're growing um, you know, quite steeply and there's no sign of it tailing off. So, in other words, we don't seem to be bending the curve. I mean, it's hard to know whether it's exponential or not. Um, I haven't seen any conversation about the effective reproduction number at the moment.
0: Remind us what that means.
1: R0 is when you have no control, nobody's socially distancing, and how many people can it spread to. And with the Delta virus, it's around about six. They are effective, the RF is really the effective reproduction number in a real world situation where you've got lockdown, you've got controls in place, and that's usually nearer one or above one, and you want to get it below one.
0: Right. And so in Sydney at the moment, they're in lockdown, there's restrictions in place. People who have been exposed to the virus are meant to be isolating, but we're still seeing cases popping up.
1: Yes, and we're still seeing cases popping up which are unlinked. It's hard to know exactly how many unlinked cases there were yesterday, and we certainly don't know by today, and there'll probably be you know, who knows what'll happen by today, but there were around about twelve or thirteen yesterday unlinked cases, and then there were twenty four new cases. So there's been a there's been a little bit of a tail of unlinked cases that they haven't been able to tie down.
0: So we know that this cluster in Sydney has around 175 people in it at the moment, which seems like a really big number. How does it compare to previous outbreaks that we've seen in Australia?
1: Well, according to um, a a really quite reliable website on this, which is covid19data.com.au, and you look at the, the, the various outbreaks, then so far we're at about 175 or so cases. The Crossroads Motel outbreak last year got to 500 odd cases. The Victorian second wave, I think, in the end got to 18,000 cases. So I mean, really a lot. So we're still way behind the Victorian second wave.
0: So a week into a lockdown, what would we have been wanting to see by now? And are we on track?
1: Well, when you look at the graph, which I'm looking at now, when you look at the graph of the Bondi cluster, it's still a very steep line on the graph and it's not tailing off. In other words, the acceleration or the velocity of the increase is still quite high. And what you want to see is that you know, it's, the, it's the bending of the curve that we talked about last year. And as of yesterday, that curve was not bending.
0: So is, it, is another week going to be enough?
1: Well, when I spoke to a, a University of Sydney modeler earlier on this week, they said you wouldn't really know till Friday or Saturday of this week. So you've gone through one incubation period since the lockdown. Um, so so you, you don't know yet. But I imagine that if you start to see a couple of days where, so we're seeing 22, 24, it stays up in the 20s, then you're not seeing it tailing off. But if it drops to 15, then 10, then 11, then that clearly is a dropping off and you're bending the curve. So you, you can crudely tell from the daily numbers. But there could still be surprises down the road.
0: Oh, well, fingers crossed. And also, of course, Sydney and New South Wales isn't the only place in Australia that's living with lockdowns at the moment. In fact, many of our major cities are in lockdowns or in some form of restrictions.
1: Well, you're in Queensland, so us what's happening there.
0: Yeah, well, we're still seeing cases uh, popping up here and there. And the really weird thing about Queensland is that there seems to be multiple entry points for multiple viruses. So it's not just one cluster that's grown. There's sort of five different... Entry points for COVID in Queensland that have all happened around the same time. I won't go through through them all, but it is a bit of a worry to think that our uh, borders are a little more porous than we wanted them to be when we're meant to be
1: closed off. Yeah. And obviously over the last 48 hours, it's become a political issue with um, a lot of discussion from Queensland on hotel quarantine and discussion yesterday about hotel, about overseas air crew, which may be the source of spread at the International Airport in Brisbane.
0: Yeah, that's right. And then also in other states, uh, it's good to hear that some of those clusters seem to be petering out. It looks like WA could be in the clear and the Northern Territory as well. So the next day, it's really hard for us sort of talking so early in the day, Norman. I think today, uh, being Friday, we're going to hear a lot more that's going to clear up some of these questions for people.
1: Yeah. And the thing to look for is just those daily numbers that are staying up in the 20s in New South Wales. We're We're not really getting on top of it. But if it starts to decline day by day, then it is...
0: The other thing that's been a big topic of conversation this week is the AstraZeneca vaccine. We've talked about that a bunch of times this week, about its risk of clotting and how that compares to your age. And we had a question from Adrian, who's pointed out a paper, a preprint paper that so hasn't been peer reviewed yet, that's suggesting that this rare clotting syndrome that sometimes goes along with AstraZeneca could be due to uh, it being accidentally injected into your vein instead of into your muscle. And he's wondering if there's anything in that. It sort of seems to me to be too simple to be true.
1: This is actually not a simple paper at all. It is a preprint. It's not been peer reviewed It comes from both Italy and Germany. But it's a very complicated, sophisticated study, which is in the test tube, in animal and in animal models, to look at what's happened. And what they find to start off with, when the when you actually look at Astra vaccine and Pfizer vaccine, the Astra vaccine activates platelets, whereas the Pfizer vaccine doesn't. So that's the first thing they did, it's kind of a screening there. So there's an, act- there's an activation which happens with Astra, which doesn't happen with Pfizer. Um, that's all in the test tube. Then what they did was they, um, in an animal model, a mouse model, they injected into the muscle and then they injected directly into the vein intravenous. And what they found when they did it intravenously is that the the adenovirus which is the thing which is the virus that carries the genetic message into the cell aggregates with the platelets and it goes straight to the spleen and the spleen is there in your upper left abdomen and your spleen's an immune organ as well as a blood organ and what happens there is it's the these combinations of platelets and the virus from the astro vaccine get chopped up into fragments they then go out and the body reacts to them as if they're foreign material and you get antibodies to them and then you get the syndrome developing or potentially the syndrome developing. So that's what happens. It sounds very complicated. It is complicated. It's got to be proven. But it's really interesting for the sake of pulling back on the needle when you put it in the arm, which is, you know, I've given lots of intramuscular injections and I always were, I always was taught to pull back on the needle and I've never had blood come back but in theory it could
0: So when you're pulling back on that uh on that needle that's it's a it's called aspiration and basically it's to check that there's you haven't hit a vein by accident is a paper like this a preprint not peer reviewed yet enough to change Australia's policy on how people uh, administer the Astra vaccine
1: I'm not sure why they don't pull back I think one reason is that they think the Pfizer vaccines is a bit fragile and wouldn't it's not something you want to do to the to the vaccine when you pull it back, so I'm not quite sure. You wouldn't, you wouldn't change anything on the basis of a preprint. You'd want to have this peer-reviewed, and you'd probably want another lab to check on it but it could change policy and it would be a very simple way of dealing with it.
0: Do you think it's the only thing that's causing this rare clotting syndrome?
1: Well, it's clearly the Astra vaccine that's causing the syndrome, but the, the vaccine would be potentially safe if it's just given into the muscle, if this is true. And if you took that precaution, then an already incredibly rare syndrome would become even more rare.
0: Well, Norman, I do have heaps more questions from our audience, so let's do a round of Quick Fire Friday to get through as many as possible today.
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: We've got Holly asking about... Whether or not she should get the Astra vaccine or wait for the Pfizer, she and her partner are both in her 30s and her partner has received her first dose of Pfizer. Holly's wondering whether she should just go and get an Astra vaccine or wait it out for the Pfizer.
1: Well, we can't give you advice on that, but we do in yesterday's CoronaCast, I think it was, we do give you the statistics in terms of risks versus benefits. And you can make up your mind from that. But I really strongly advise you talk to your GP about it so you can sit down and reflect on it before you make your decision.
0: Jackie's asking about the NHS in the UK has been given the go-ahead to do COVID booster vaccines in autumn this year for everyone over 50. Will we do that in Australia too?
1: Inevitably, we will do booster vaccines. And the reason they're doing them in Britain is because of them being dependent on Astra. Astra which is a lower-performing vaccine, certainly when it comes to Delta. It's not that low, but it is lower. And it's going to be hard for them to get to herd immunity if they rely on Astra. And so that's why they're doing that. And we will inevitably do the same thing. And certainly what we need to do right now if we were to follow the French here and other lines of evidence, is that anybody who's immune compromised needs three doses of the Pfizer.
0: Deb is saying, well, Deb starts by saying, hello, Uncle Norman and Auntie Tegan. Hello, niece, Deb. Uh, Deb has just had her second Pfizer vaccination, feels very lucky, and is wondering if there's any follow-up testing being done in Australia after immunisation to check what levels of immunity people are building up and how long it's lasting.
1: I'm not aware of studies that are being done in that. There probably are. Um, I think it's going to be much more on what happens to the pandemic and infection rates and the reinfection rate. And there is a reinfection rate with Pfizer, with Delta, but people are not getting very sick. So I'm, I'm not sure how this is going to evolve. I think it's going to be very much on how things are behaving in the community.
0: Jeanette's asking, is it possible to get a COVID vaccine via a patch instead of a needle?
1: That's been worked on and um, people are working on patch vaccines. They're also working on uh, nasal vaccines because, of course, it gets in via the respiratory tract and could a nasal vaccine work. So people are working on different administration methods.
0: Penelope says how many Australians are sick with Delta coronavirus? If morbidity is low, why the extensive lockdowns?
1: It's all about numbers. We've got 170-odd, as as we record this coronacast in the Bondi cluster in New South Wales, and two people in intensive care. Those two people would not be in intensive care if there wasn't a Bondi cluster.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, That's another week of Coronacast done and dusted. Keep sending your questions in to abc.net.au slash coronacast and leave us a review if you like as well.
1: And we'll see you on Monday. See you then.